Hello, 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 hello. All right. Got her hooked up. Now my favorite part. Let me start sending out some links. Ah, man. My nose is running. Ugh. Y'all guys are going to have to excuse me. I am struggling right now with these allergies. But I think we got to... <coughs> excuse me so much, guys. I'm sorry. I think we got a pretty good show cooking right now. Let's just send out these. Oh, man. I'm sorry, y'all. These invites and um, yeah. we'll see what we got. F D, this word, what's going on? I'm gonna get the show started in a few moments. Excuse my allergies; they're really just uh, kicking my butt right now. Just gonna send out a few more invites, <coughs> and we'll get this thing underway because heck or high water. I don't mind. I'm gonna be <laughs> spilling the real today. The name of this today's episode is Moments in Glass, but don't worry about it. Like I said, we're not gonna start until seven o'clock. Seven o'clock will be the official start time. And then Rad, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? All right, let's keep sending out these. Okay, Rad. Hey, Rad. What's going on, man? Starting in the next few minutes at uh, seven o'clock on the day. What's going oh. on, man? How you doing? Am I? I'm sorry. I'm having connection issues. Yeah, I just said, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, brother. I'm good. Yeah, uh, my allergies are kicking my butt right now. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's it is the season, though, right? Uh, hey, you want to hear? You want to hear the? You want to hear something that's absolutely bonkers? Absolutely bonkers. All right, so check this out, right? Um, my current uh, missus, right, has a best friend. And that best friend of hers is married to a guy. Uh, we'll call him uh, Pat for the sake of an anonymity, right? And me and Pat have hung out, you know what I mean, uh, a couple times. You know, uh, you know how people do. You know, your your old lady has a friend, and you know they they make uh, they make the husbands play together like they're little kids, right? So me and this guy have hung out a couple times. You know, um, never really thought anything about it. You know what I mean? And uh, they had a baby shower. And uh, I'm at the baby shower, and this guy introduces me to his brother. And I take a look at his brother, and I'm like, man, something is very familiar about this guy, right? And it hits me, okay? Where, this is where I know the brother from. And then I realize not only do I know the brother, but I know him also. His brother played Little League football mm -hmm. with my son's older brother. So, like, um, okay. this, was, this was three... This was three, three, three wives ago for me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my son's mother. Three lives or three wives? Three wives ago, yeah. Okay, all right. 
and uh and so my my son's my, my son's mother so long story short i remembered this guy that i've been hanging out with as a primary school age kid and i was a football dad when i met him at the time Man. yeah, yeah. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks like i was like wait what so long story short i'm turning 40 in about eight days or whatever however long it is uh and uh, that was a heavy-handed thing to happen to me right before my 40th birthday is to realize people I've been hanging out with were children when I met them as an adult. Yeah, we're definitely getting up there. And, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, I guess I could just start going now. <clears throat> I actually was talking to a buddy of mine, um, Chris. And yeah. we were talking about turning middle age the trap that it happened around middle age. And that's really what I'm going to talk about today. And it's because today's topic is about habit building and trying to fight through this current trap that you find yourself in, that we all find ourselves in before we look up. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like right now my daughter's not, you know, she's feeling a little bit under the weather. So I've been taking care of her today and I work a regular job Monday through Friday all last yesterday, I was, uh, no, wait, see, Friday, my AC pan was leaking. I had to go unstop it after work. And then I did a little bit of painting and working out, and it was time to go to sleep. And then all Saturday, I was rearranging my bookshelves. And then Sunday, which is today, taking care of my daughter. And next thing you know, oh, shit, it's almost time for Monday again. Right. So the absolute last thing I felt, even though I enjoyed doing it, and then I was working on this this entry exam for this MBA program that I'm in, and I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm like, and now I'm about to do a podcast, and my weekend's over, and I'm like, no one tells you that adulting is gonna be this way. No, that all of a sudden, like, when your time is most valuable, because it's a limited resource all of a sudden it just starts getting sucked right from underneath you and you don't have the time to do the things that you like to do anymore whereas when you were younger foolishly you had all this free time to do all the things that you wanted to do and you didn't do any of them all you did was fantasize about being an adult yeah no that's true like it was going to be so great and not, not only that not only do you does 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 the clock slow down when you're doing stuff you hate and speed up when you're doing stuff you love, mm-hmm. you start to realize that um, you know, like like even my son was saying it, we blinked, it's December again, you know? And it'll blink again, it'll be February, you blink again, it'll be July. And it's just like the years just seem to get shorter and shorter and shorter and I think Bro, I'm telling happens, you. I think what happens is, you know, when you're younger, your years are d- divvied up into only major holidays and birthdays, pretty yeah. much, because you don't have bills or anything like that. Bogus, what's cracking, baby? I'm getting a little energy talking to you guys now. Um, bogus, if you like to, you can definitely call in. You know, your your days or your months are divvied up into major holidays and birthdays and summertime. Well, all of a sudden, when you become an adult, first thing that happens is your 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 months are broken up into paychecks every two you're just waiting every two weeks so you're really waiting for that next friday and then after that 
everything's broken down monthly. Well, month there's only twelve months in a year, and so you hey, wondering woman, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it just starts accelerating because you're not looking forward to Monday, so it it it, it fast forwards. But enough of with all this nihilism and bad sadness about being an adult. Let's talk about well first. Let's give you guys some updates about what's been going on in my life because why not? That's what this is really all about. Besides helping you guys along with your journey, it's about helping you guys. I mean, giving y'all a glimpse into mine. I just came back from uh, Vegas, or not, la- not last week, but the previous week, for an emergency psychiatric conference. And it wasn't just uh, nurses, it was doctors, police officers. EMT, psychiatrists, and ER physicians all over the globe right. coming together to talk about different ways to help psychiatric patients in the emergency room setting. And it was incredibly cool because that's my wheelhouse. That's what I do. That's what I love. And it's really interesting to find so many people around you that are doing the same niche little thing that you're doing. And what makes it really interesting is that when I was in the ER, for the most part, I would get made fun of for being so nice to the site, not made fun of, but you know, people don't understand psychiatric patients or care about them in the same form or fashion that I believe that I like to. So I made a lot of dope contacts, but one of the coolest moments there was um, my wife flew out with me. I was sitting at a table with the head of psychiatry from a prominent hospital in Detroit, Pittsburgh and Chicago. And all these people were sitting there listening to everything that I was saying. And then after it was over, you know, sitting around having drinks, it was a really good time. We got back to the hotel room and my wife was just telling me how proud she was of me. And I was like, why? She's like, you're not giving yourself enough credit. Look from the people that you were talking to 10 years ago to the people you're talking to now. Yeah, I had to sit there and think about it because 10 years ago and Wondering Woman can absolutely attest to this in the apartment complexes that I was staying off Westheimer. I was legit hanging out with like and this isn't like, oh, ha ha ha. No, like I was literally hanging out with drug dealers, prostitutes, actual pimps, uh, alcoholics. Yeah, like actual not like the dregs of human society. If you guys ever watch this show, it's called. um Soft white underbelly, I talk about it all the time. It's really, really interesting because it shows people from other walks of life. Um, it shows people from other walks of life. The last one that I checked out, I'm full of caffeine, so you guys can definitely tell, and I'll get on the caffeine thing in a second. Um, it, it was talking about this guy who was a, um, a gigolo. So he was a gigolo. I think he had been on some televised, some kind of TV shows. Um, but he said something really interesting. And then I'll just segue right into our topic for tonight. He said something really interesting. He was talking about how um, the guy kept trying to pressure him, the interviewer, to say, you know, what were you doing on these dates, quote unquote, as a gigolo? And he, he didn't really want to say. And then, you know, the, the interviewer got right to it. He's like, were you sleeping with these women? And he said something interesting that you really wouldn't expect to hear from a man, especially not a male gigolo, but for anybody, any man that's over the age of 30, 35, or any woman, this will resonate. He said, I don't like sleeping with all of my clients. 
people, men especially, don't like saying this, but you do want a connection. I know what happens to people that go around just sleeping with people. And I was like, wow, this is from a gigolo. You know, you would think that um, that's not something that he would even think or even care about. But I think we're lying to ourselves as far as our need and want for human connection. Um, I got through, I got through reading this book. The um, last week is called Attached. Has anybody read it? If you have in the comment section, you know, say it below. I was reading it because I was doing a, a talk at a school for the blind this Wednesday, last Wednesday. And they really wanted me to talk about relationships. Why? I don't know, because I'm not that great at them. I've been having this running joke that relationships are one of the only things that you can do a whole lot of and only get worse at. And um, so I'm reading this book and it has different styles of attachment. You have anxious, avoidant, fearful, avoidant, and secure. Problem number two, Kel. Okay, so Todd is going to have a hard time getting on. But you have all these different styles of attachment. And I would tell anybody who has any type of difficulty in relationships to please, for the love of God, read that book. But once again, let's backtrack. Today's episode is called Moments in Glass. And the reason I call it Moments in Glass, like I was telling my friend Rad earlier, I realized that, you know, I've fallen into the, the middle-aged trap Monday through Friday, do rest on Friday, do a little something on Saturday, rest on Sunday, wash repeat wash repeat and it seems like it is a monotonous endless thing until the day that you die but i had an interesting moment um as i said as some of you guys have noticed i haven't really done a full podcast since september well the reason behind that is because i've been dealing with a really deep dark depression that i'm slowly fighting my way out of well Something interesting has been going on since fighting my way out of this deep, dark depression. Um, I went back and I started establishing my old routines of working out every day, eating right, cutting out caffeine, because for me, it really messes with my anxiety. It makes it triple uh, and cutting back on artificial sweeteners and also going back to listening to a shit ton of audiobooks. Once again, Wondering Woman can attest to it. Every week that I was talking to her, I was always saying, Oh, look at this new audio, this new book that I read, this new book that I read. She was like, How many books do you read? And it seems like at one point I was running through a, at least, I could even do at the max two to three audiobooks a week, one every week at a minimum. And so the book that I have just finished reading after I finished reading Attached was another one, a very, 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 very powerful book by Fumio Sasiaki called Hello Habits. He's a gentleman that also went through his own types of depression and then went through a state of minimalism. And he gives you 50 different tips on how to establish habits. I need to do better with my notes. And I promise you guys on the next podcast, I will have better notes about Hello Habits. But let's begin. So what he talked about in the book 
And this is why I'm doing this podcast today, because I don't feel like doing this podcast today. But I will tell you guys live and on the air every other Sunday, whether I have something to speak about or not, I will continue diligently doing these podcasts every other Sunday at 7 p.m. And it's not for success because that's the trap that we fall into when we're trying to establish habits. And he broke it down so beautifully. So what he said is the difficulty that you have establishing habits are rewards, right? So when you um, say when you eat a ho-ho, I don't even know the last time I've seen a ho-ho. When you eat a ho-ho, oh, you get a dopamine rush. You feel really good. Rad, where'd you go? Am I rambling too much for you? Well, come on back. You eat a ho-ho, you immediately feel good. Um, immediate reward. You drink a beer, drink a couple more, you get drunk, you feel really good. You smoke a cigarette, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Well, the problem with establishing good habits is what? That you don't get that immediate reward. You don't instant, if you eat a vegetable, you don't immediately lose two pounds. Same as if you start working out or going for a jog or any of those things. The same way with laying around the house and playing on your cell phone. The immediate reward is that you're, you know, you're sitting around chilling, playing on your cell phone. Excuse me. You feel really good at the moment until all those tasks come back and bite you in the butt. Well, the way that he words it, which was really interesting, he's like, try to do the task that you don't feel like doing uh, as habit builders, one head of broccoli and one push up which should get me fired again. The thing about doing these habit builders is you attack it from a different angle. And the different angle is, okay, I'm going to do these because I know the reward is a boost in my self-esteem for having discipline. Like, for example, today, um, I've been doing really great. My blood pressure is like 116 over 74. Really proud of that. I've been able to combat my hypertension solely through exercise, um, meditation, prayer, obviously, um, and just a lot of hard work. No medications. So, Tammy went out to brunch earlier today and she went to some place called Jupiter Waffles. I guess they had amazing foods. Well, you can guess. She's like, if you want something, let me know. So, you know, I'm looking at the menu. It's called waffles. I'm looking at the fried chicken. I'm looking at the waffles. It's a chicken and waffle place. And let me see how my, my actual timeline of, of, uh, <laughs> text message with i'll take the chicks with curry chicken which is the salad that was like nah give me the chicken and waffles let me stop playing and then i said you know what give me the salad because i knew that when i said the salad my reward was i was going to feel better in later in the day and i was going to feel better about myself that i stuck to my discipline see the world is really tricky really really fucking tricky beast um the way the devil gets your mind working is we have a tendency to think that well what is freedom freedom is doing whatever you want when in actuality the opposite is completely true you gain 
because work life works in paradoxes um you gain true freedom by discipline it doesn't sound correct but it a thousand percent is think of it this way if you wanted true financial freedom how would you get it by spending every dime you have or saving diligently if you wanted freedom in your body to move the way you want to move to run how you want to run the way you want to run how would you acquire that by eating right doing push-ups so on and so forth um you know the list is endless but very rarely i mean in some things letting loose is a good thing not a bad thing but in in most cases discipline is the key and once i've started to acquire this discipline i started to take joy in some of the most mundane tasks if you've ever known me i wouldn't ever consider myself a very neat or clean person but just the way I learned it I can unlearn it and relearn it so now I take great deal of joy in cleaning and organizing and taking my time to get my space right before I embark on something because a clean space helps it helps a lot it helps you get your mind prepared at the task at hand (laughs) excuse me and you're not looking all around thinking about everything that you have to do um it's just really interesting i wonder i always just wondered why i put it off so much i was actually talking to one nerd woman about this earlier because i think i've gone i think i've gone let's see about a week and a half without coffee very awesome what's cracking baby i've gone about a week and a half without coffee because It was really, really jacking with my anxiety. Well, while I was in this conference, they were talking about different types of drugs that work on GABA receptors. Woody, 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 woo, hotty, 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 hot. I don't want to hear about any of that. But you do want to hear about caffeine. Why? Because I didn't realize while I was trying to detox off caffeine and sweets that there is a clear line I know I'm jumping all over the place. I really don't care. This is my podcast and I can talk about what I would like. Um, Get your headphones charged up, baby. Let's get this thing cracking. Uh, You know what? I'm going to put a little music on. I've really, 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 really been into jazz. Um, That's the new jazz and Afro jazz. But hey, hey, what's going on? Back. Sorry for uh, I I killed the mic because I uh I got I, it's about to be pandemonium over here. I got well, guess what? I got my knee. It's all good, man. It's all good. Um, so coffee, coffee, caffeine, sugar, and anxiety, right? Um, yes. Okay, so this is how it works. When you drink, I'm gonna break this down super simple. When you drink coffee, it gives you a sense of what alertness. Well. The alertness comes from coffee blocking your adenosine receptor sites, right? Your adenosine receptor sites or receptor sites are a sleep hormone. So you drink coffee, it mimics adenosine, and it floods those sites. It's like, oh, so I'm awake because there's no adenosine telling me I'm sleepy. Well, it's interesting. 
So what happens next? Are you drinking coffee right now? So what happens next is your body's thinking, well, where the hell is the adenosine? I need some more. Are you drinking a soda right now? Yeah. I need some more adenosine. Well, the only way I can get more adenosine apparently is I need more receptor sites. So it makes more receptor sites. You get that 1 p.m. crash. You're like, man, why am I so sleepy? That's because your body's producing more receptor sites and your the adenosine's finding these sites. So you drink more coffee. It blocks those sites. You keep going, keep going until you reach about a caffeine toxicity. And then all those, all that receptor sites get unplugged. Then whoop, you get sleepy. Well, here's another interesting thing. Adenosine is also the taste hormone that makes sweets taste sweet. So think about this. You've created all these adenosine receptor sites. They all get flooded. And then what happens? You want sweets. And what do they always pair coffee up with? What do you always eat? Sugar. Sugar. Hey, very awesome. How's it going? I'm here, bro. All right. We are talking about right now adenosine. But that's why they pair it with that because it creates a vicious cycle. And you always notice that, and I never even paid attention to it, that around midday, after my coffee's worn off, after lunch, when my insulin is doing whatever it's doing, that's when I get that sweet craving. You always have that two times during the day. I never have really a sweet tooth in the morning. It's always after lunch and at night. Every, like, without fail when I was drinking coffee on a fairly consistent basis. How about you? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you like this. See, when I was eating healthy, Mm -hmm. I was drinking black coffee with butter in it in the morning, like bullet coffee, right? And it was to to help the metabo, you know? That was something that uh, a guy I was working out with had me doing. And then I would eat at like one, you know? Mm -hmm. But when I'm eating like a fat shit, like currently, right? Um, if I get up and have a cup of coffee in the morning, if there's a donut or a kolache handy, I'm mashing yeah, that with I'm coffee. Yeah, I'm eating it. Like, don't put it there if you don't want me to eat it, because I'm gonna, you know? And, uh, it, you know, my wife is a baker. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, bro. It is. It is no, no. It, listen, listen. She, part of what locked me down, and I'll go on record in saying this, and I'll take my whooping if it's coming. But part of what locked me down was her key lime pie. I, I can believe it. Okay. I can believe it. And I'm telling you, like she, 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 she does it good. She bakes it good. And um, so there's plenty of that running around here. And then I got you know a bunch of women living in my house because of daughters and everything. Right. So there's always sweets. There's always it's terrible, bro. You know, you know it's what, like in. It's funny that you say that, right? It's funny that you say that because. In the book, when he's talking about habits, that's an interesting thing that he talks about. He's like, and it sounds so simple, it's retarded. For the good habits you want to do, make them easy to access. For your bad habits that you want to negate, make them harder to obtain. Like for me, for example, I have a horrible thing with sweets. So I tell my wife, do not buy sweets. Do not bring them in the house. She's like, why? Don't you have any self-discipline? And I'm like, no, I do not. But here's the thing. If you don't buy the sweets and leave them in the store, 
I only have to exercise self-discipline for, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 minutes tops. Whereas if they're in the house, I, you're asking me to exercise that level of discipline every single day for every eight hours that I'm home. I'm going to crack. That's like that's like saying I want to quit drinking alcohol, so I'm going to go to the bar every day. No. That doesn't make sense. I, I, I will say there are a lot of uh, recovering alcoholic bartenders out there that won't touch the stuff anymore that are in the industry. That is a that is a, they, they, there are some things that you have to, you know, it's doable, you know, like you can you can have the stuff in the house and it is doable. But I 100 percent agree with you that if you can make it like that is the one like with cigarettes, that's what got me off the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that taught me that really got me off of it was I stopped buying them. Not only did I stop buying them, I, I just avoided smoking altogether. Like I avoided bars, I avoided um, going to the. Uh, I didn't even go to corner stores. You know I'm saying because if I went to corner stores, I was gonna buy a pack of cigarettes or I was gonna bum a, a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? So you want to hear something and, interesting about that? He talks about that in the book as well. When it comes to making uh, habits for yourself, do it. To- okay, let me see if I can explain this right. H H P three and T what's going on. So when it comes to making habits or quitting habits, he says something really interesting. And the point that he makes is you want to turn the process automatic, right? To where you don't have to think about it. So if you want to turn the process automatic to where you don't have to think about it, what you're going to want to do is create to quit the habit completely and not, Hey, what's going on and not make any exceptions. Because if you make exceptions to the rule, like, oh, I'll smoke when it's a celebration or I'll smoke when I'm when I've had a good day or a bad day. Tony Tone, what's going on? What you'll start to slowly realize is that you've moved that habit from being automatic to one of thought. And if it's one of thought, whether the habit is positive or negative, it makes it much harder for you to either proceed with said habit or to pull back from said habit. For example exercise it's much easier to simply get up put in your clothes and go versus saying oh man i'm gonna have to go to the gym i'm gonna have to get my clothes on drive to the gym pick up because once you do that you're going to talk yourself out of it so just go just go and then see what happens but this and the inverse is true for quitting a habit we'll say that you don't want to smoke cigarettes don't give yourself any lead way simply say that I'm not smoking cigarettes anymore under any circumstance and it takes out the ha- it makes it from being a thought process to simply a non-negotiable what do you think about that red well I mean yeah that's yeah you're right that is the uh, that that is the way to affect to if you want to be a hundred percent certain that you're going to you know to do something yeah that's the way yeah, that's 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 you know that's doing it a hundred percent. The the deal is, I feel like, cause you know what it is. I'm gonna be honest about it. I'm arguing in, uh, I'm arguing from my perspective because while I agree with you that is the correct way, I find myself doing like, like with 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 with, with some things, especially when it's something that I'm trying to really unlearn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
75% of the time, you know, sometimes is, is more accurate for me. Like I'll, I'll, uh, if it, there's some stuff that I, that, I, that I've, that I've cut out all together hundred percent. Cause I know hundred percent done with that. Never again. Right. There's some, there's some stuff in that category, but there's some things that like, I don't know. And, uh, I will say that 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 those things I am considering revisiting because uh, yeah, I am getting older, you know, and it's not cool. It, like you, the older you get, you do have to realize that some stuff isn't, you know. Uh, so there's some stuff that I think I'll be, you know, switching up about myself and you know moving forward because I do, you know, I do a lot of by nature of what I do, kind of promotionally, I guess, uh, you know. Uh, toy collector you know yeah. that kind of stuff you know that um there's a i'm, I'm gonna be looking at really altering my content and going in a different direction with what i put out you know back on it well yeah but i am i, I have a consultant right okay All right. who's um who's who's giving me some uh um you know uh some criticism and like i have a bunch of content that i haven't released and i'm going through it now after uh, after i'm dealing with this consultant to um to 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 really make put a firm, uh, uh, a firm footing on my next direction, you know, and I'm gonna be doing something that's a little bit more uh, sustainable so than what I was. Doing. You, I'll tell you this, and me and my boy HHP were talking about this, and they actually talk about this in the book. My allergies are killing me. Also, when it comes to forming a new habit. Don't worry about being good. And every book that I continue to read keeps harping on this. Because if you're worried about good and you're looking for immediate results, there's a high chance, higher than not, that you'll get discouraged at a very rapid pace. I read that in this one book called, um, oh man, it was by some dude named Navel. Not Navel Goddard. Well, I'll have to go back and look. But really, it's about enjoying the process. Because when you sit back and enjoy, oh, the almanac of Navel Ravikant. Also, I'm with you. I'm looking for new content as well. The almanac by Navel Navel Ravikant. One day I need to just post this up on Facebook so you guys can see all of my um, different readings. Enjoy the process. Don't worry about whether you'll succeed, whether you'll fail. Like right now, I've been doing t-shirts. I've been because uh, so what happened is I think a couple of months ago I told you guys that I was gonna go sell my artwork at the Shrine of the Black Madonna, and it was from from the outside perspective a complete failure, right? I didn't sell a single thing, but it really wasn't a failure because then I said, okay, well if people aren't buying this, maybe I should try a different route. Started realizing that some people in this particular avenue don't really buy. Where did you say you were selling these at? It's called the Shrine of the Black Madonna. I can't remember the exact location because I'm not geographically gifted in that way. But um, I said, you know what? Let me try making my artwork into t-shirts. And that seems to have gotten a much better, a bigger reception than I thought. But what I could have easily done, I'm ready for them shirts, bro. I got you, fam. I got you. I just because really what I'm trying to figure out, and I was supposed to meet up with HHP about this, but got distracted doing life. 
Because right now, when I put it on the picture, me and you talked about this, Rad, it comes out in a block form, and I really want it to be like seamless into the shirt as opposed to just on top of the shirt. <laughs> I'll figure all that out later. Yeah. Um, I could have easily got defeated at that point and just determined that my artwork was no good, nobody wanted it, and stopped right there. But because I enjoyed the process so much, and I got my shirts, bro. It's yours, whatever you want on it. Um, because I enjoy creating my art so much, it's not about the profit. It's not about me getting rich off these shirts or my artwork. It's really a big step for me to let people see my art and judge it. Because yeah. I've been trying to draw, quote unquote, since I was a child. But because I was always doing pencil and never picked up a paintbrush and I can't even draw a smiley face, um, I just assumed that I couldn't draw. But if you, if every meeting that I've ever been in, and don't tell any of my managers this, actually you can tell them because I don't work for them anymore. I've never taken a single note in any business meeting. I've always been doodling. Actually, Wondering Woman, yes. I've never taken a single note in any of those business meetings. I was always either doodling or writing a rap. One of the two. Uh, right. <laughs> so they're like talking about budgets. They're talking about budgets, and I'm like, dee, 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 don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. But it's funny because, um, and I, yeah, I can flow. I, I got a little bit of flow, but those days are old. I remember one time I got back into rapping a little bit, and I sent my, I sent a track off to this young cat, and he was like, oh man, you kind of dope. You sound like one of those '90s rappers. I was like, "Man, fuck you." Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna remind Donaldson of the, or I'm, I'm gonna remind him that I, we go back a very long time. Yeah. How long you guys say this long? I remember Miss A Bear's art class. Okay, yeah. all, right? all right, at Hastings, and one of the things Miss A Bear was this crazy old woman. I don't think she was too aware of what was going on, yeah. and we were we were back there, me, you, and Steve, and you guys were just rapping, yeah. you knocking knuckles on the table. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it never stopped. Yeah. But you know, but while I'm sitting here doodling, I don't know why it never occurred to me that I had a genuine love for artwork. I always have. I love going to art galleries, but. And I don't know. You know, you you sit there, and it's not a natural. It's not about having a natural talent at something. It's having a natural desire for something. So I would tell anybody, anybody that's listening with an earshot, f having talent, quote unquote. We have this thing, and I keep harping on it, especially in American culture, that you should only pursue a hobby for one of two reasons: one, if it can make you money. Two, if you're good at it, and I'm gonna keep saying, I'm gonna say this on every single fucking podcast, and I curse because I can. Um, if you find something that you genuinely enjoy, dedicate five minutes a day to it, because I can guarantee you, if you do said task for five minutes a day, every single day, for 365 days out the year, maybe 300, at the end of the year, maybe two years, three years there's a high chance that you'll be better than 90% of the population. Not that that matters, but you probably will be for the simple fact that you've dedicated this level of time into said task. 
And the trick is if you continue to dedicate said energy into said task, there's a high chance that you'll get good enough that people will start giving you monetary gains for this. I was talking to my little cousin Friday when I was trying to unplug the drain in my um, in my AC unit. And we were talking about this very subject. And it's really funny is that when you have this desire to do something and you enjoy doing it so much, you have a, you don't realize how far you've come and how far ahead you are of most people because comparison is the thief of joy and you're comparing yourself to other people. He was telling me about a, uh, and I'll let y'all be the objective judge. He was telling me about a, a friend of his who's a rapper who's about to be 28, F him for being so young, thinking that he's old, but he 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 raps. He doesn't think he's successful, but he opens up for Ray, Raekwon. The last time that he worked with somebody, he was working with the the producer who made Stankonia and some of the beats for Outkast. Wow. But he doesn't think that he, yeah, exactly. But he doesn't think he's doing anything. I was like, but because he's 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 marking himself from a place of monetary success, and what he's not realizing is he could be. For example, have you guys ever heard of a uh, HP? I know you probably have. A uh, Freddie Roach. Have you ever heard of Freddie Roach? No. Okay, he's a boxing. I want to say boxing analyst. Hold on. Just couldn't you couldn't do, you couldn't you couldn't stay away when I started talking about Freddie Roach, could you? Oh wait, also HP. If you're trying to call in, you do have to have headphones. Got to let that. Okay. You can you hear me? Are you in there? Are you in there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, we're good then. Right. Uh, Freddie Roach is the uh, mid-man, legendary uh, coach of the year for several years running up until the point Manny Pacquiao retired. Mm -hmm. uh, he was Manny Pacquiao's uh, hands coach, so to speak. Do um, you know his backstory? Um, besides his ailment? What, what, what do you mean? So He was he was a boxer. Uh, he was a professional boxer. So he was a yeah. boxer, former right? pro boxer, got um, you know, palsy, but he wasn't well. but before hold on, hold on, let me finish, let me finish. He wasn't he didn't have a great record. He wasn't doing that well in <clears throat> boxing. I can't remember who his coach was, but he taught him all his <clears throat> book Mastery by Robert Greene. And so at one point, Freddie Roach got really dejected, quit boxing because he wasn't good at it, quote unquote, and started working as a telemarketer. Well, one of his buddies called him up and said, Hey, I'm starting a new gym. Do you want to come and um, you know, check it out? And he was like, sure. Well, he went to the gym and found himself to be even more disgruntled because he was seeing all these young guys living out their, their dream, something that he thought that he couldn't have. Until one day he was introduced to doing some type of mitt work that you were talking about with Pacquiao, with somebody. And he was like, oh, wait, I can get in here and do these type of mitt works with these boxers and change the way boxing's looked at. And so when he started to approach from that way and started training with these guys, he was able to relive a little bit of his dream and you see where he's at now. But that's because he continued down the road of accessing his genuine desire and not let, not letting it, you know, blind him because he wasn't successful in one route because he could have easily stopped. He could have easily said, you know what? I'll never be a good boxer. I'll never be a legend, quote unquote. That's why I might as well just stop now. But he's in a much better place 
than he ever would have been if he had just quit. He trains George St. Pierre. What happened to him? Currently. What's going on with George St. Pierre? No, I George. just I, you, you told me a person I didn't know their name, so naturally I went to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading up, so I'm not completely dumb for the rest of the conversation. You know, I <laughs> that's, that's after Freddie Roach, after Manny Pacquiao hung up his mitts, Freddie Roach, uh, previously before that, he decided to uh, take up work with other boxers, MMA fighters, because technically MMA fighters don't have good hands like boxers do. Uh yeah okay let's not do that whoa <laughs> whoa there's hey listen I don't understand the whole Paul brother phenomenon I mean I get it and I don't see here's the thing <coughs> look you all right when we when I was when I was a kid in the in the you know in the eighties and in the nineties and eighties more than the nineties. It was amazing boxing. I remember as a kid watching my uncle and my father watching the shit, you know, and uh, and you know, and, and you know that was when Tyson's heyday, and you know, and all that crazy nonsense, and you know, so so I loved boxing, bro. And then and just at some point, like Lennox Lewis was in his heyday, and it started to hit this like the decline, and you know, and it just kind of like he became less interesting. He started, there were less interesting heavyweights. It was more. Middleweight and featherweight, like, I don't know, you, you know, um, you know, you had Oscar De La Hoya forever that people loved, you know, and Manny Pacquiao, and you know. Uh, but the thing is, is that once MMA hit the scene, mm-hmm. right? And by comparison, MMA is more of an explosive, you know, sport than boxing. Even though boxing has its moments, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just it's, it's a different, it's a whole different animal. And MMA. You know, like, like you know, you remember all the, the tough man fights in the original, uh, old, you know, UFC was just big, you know, big bruiser, huge, big, dumb, dumb looking fools that they used to just feed to each other. You know, it wasn't like it is now where a guy walks in, he has five different disciplines, you know what I mean? Train killing machine, and then across the ring is you know some you know crazy European country, and the, the student knows some weird you know discipline, and they go at it and they murder each other. You know, it's it's back in those days, it was like it was it was it was like it is now. At some point, you know, MMA turns into this grand like you know how do you compete with that? You know, that's as close to being a gladiator legally as you can be, or it was at one point. You know. Is this a conspiracy podcast, or do you want me to go into the truth of the matter? Whichever you get. Well, uh, I'm willing to listen, but let me tell you something. Uh, you, you, there's some of the stuff that uh, that they they put out there. You know, there's so much information to ingest, man. Like, I got, I, I. I'm curious about this one. I don't think I've heard this one, but I, I we, me, me and Don have a mutual friend that has has given me all the info, bro. It is crazy. Some of the gotcha. stuff. Yeah, go, but go for it. Sure. So um, mixed martial arts mm-hmm. changed the world of fighting forever in November of 1991. Uh, the exact date is either 12th or the 14th, mm-hmm. maybe the 21st. Uh, anyway, it's before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um that is what changed the perspective of what a tough man on paper actually was because a 175 pound man beat the crap out of several men in one night. 
it was undefeated. Um, that was uh, Hoist Gracie uh, under the tutelage of his grandfather, Helio Gracie. I'm a part of that chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where fighting changed. Boxing, if we just fast forward, mm-hmm. stopped being um, a marketable exploit mm-hmm. once we realized that mixed martial arts wasn't going anywhere. So that effectively is somewhere in the early 2000s, though, because mm-hmm. um, UFC is UFC now. It was not UFC back then. That the, the tough man thing you're talking about is an open tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but when boxing realized they had true competition in combat sports, mm-hmm. then they had to start making stars because UFC made stars. They didn't make fighters. You had to be a fighter, but they made stars. And stars sell tickets, and tickets make money. Boxing didn't have that anymore because boxing, for the most part, is uh, a predetermined sport. The only 30 and 0 is a really good record. Undefeated 30 and 0, if you really think about it. Because mm-hmm. um, you fought 30 people. And in training, you means you would have done hundreds of rounds per, pi- per fight to get up to that point. So you're a tough guy. No, no questions asked. But why would you have so many undefeated champions? Doesn't champion mean best in the world? Mm-hmm. Without question? Yeah. Right? So why are there four divisions of boxing that hold four belts that actually matter? There's more divisions of boxing. But if a heavyweight has a WBO, WBA, I, IBF, and WBC are the four belts that mean anything, why would you have four 30-0 fighters that have never fought each other Mm-hmm. If it's only about who's the best in the world, it ain't about the best in the world. It's about the money. Right. So if they can't garner money, if they can't predetermine who's going to be the one to make the most money in the future, mm-hmm. they're going to give you tomato cans and fix it fights. And, you know, somebody's going to start going to the to, to zone, which came out of nowhere because they gave you the more money for right. your longevity of your career. This ain't about who's the best. This is about who's raking in the most revenue. Mm-hmm. So. The Paul brothers, who... Oh, that, that was my point. Sorry about that. Yeah. I digressed. Entering the Paul brothers. Right. Um, one young man is a gamer, uh, and I mean, he's game to fight. I don't, I don't really care about the history. Um, one, man, one man is game to fight. The other one is his little brother who's following suit. I don't care about fighting ex-basketball players. When you start fighting boxers and ex-fighters, mm-hmm. doesn't it seem strange mm-hmm. that you would pick a person who doesn't fight to do your first I fought a real fighter fight with. That's Ben Askren. Okay. That's strange. Ben Askren, again? ben Askren was the uh, the gentleman that um, got knocked out first. Now, well, okay, well, well, background, I don't really know much about him, to tell you the truth. Ben Askren is an undefeated uh, wrestle-based fighter from 1FC. 1FC is the one that Alon fights for. And so um, is Tyron Woodley. He's also wrestling-based, correct? No, but Ty- Tyron can hit. Hit. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, so Ben Askren uh, is a Bellator champion, one FC champion. I know this is going to bore the rest of your guests, so I'm going to try to make this quick. No, no, um, he goes to Bellator. He retires a champion from Bellator. One FC is the second largest promotion of mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my boy Alon fights for them, um, and Ben Askren dominates in one FC. Mm-hmm. Says, "Hey, I'm the best in the world. Challenge me." Dana White gives him a gives him a go. And he gets laid out, iron crossed by uh, Jorge Masvidal, right? So whenever you saw that fight where he need uh, Ben Askren 15 seconds into the fight, that pretty much ended Ben Askren's career in mixed martial arts. Remind you, he was undefeated as a wrestle-based fighter in mixed martial arts before that happened. 
So Ben Askren can't fight. He can't fight. He can wrestle. He gets you on the ground, beat you up on the ground. Makes sense. But that's an old school kind of way. Right. Okay. You get up against somebody who actually throws hands, who grew up in a backyard of Florida, literally, mm-hmm. fighting. Well, he, he beat him up real bad. Right. So he fights Ben, Dig Paul fights Ben Askren, mm-hmm. knocks him out. But wouldn't you expect to get knocked out if you don't know how to fight? Like you don't throw hands, you wrestle. You've removed the one element of the sport that you're good at to take a fight for half a million dollars. Yeah, he's going to get knocked out. No, no, no. But it's funny that you said it because I was talking to a buddy of mine who's like, Tyron just needs to hang it up. And I was like, you know, well, I like doing boxing slash Muay Thai. But if you put me in a wrestling ring, I'm going to get completely demolished because I don't know A from B. They're just two different things. So I'm in complete agreement with what you're saying. Could we argue that Tyron took a dive as well? So you're talking about the the uh, hand signal thing. I'm talking about the first and last fight. Uh, well, I'm going to be honest. Those fights didn't completely interest me. I only watched the highlights. But is it in the realm of possibility? Yes, absolutely. I mean, Jake Paul, Ron, whatever the Paul boy's name, he's generating so much revenue they're not going to want him to get hurt and they're not going to want him to either get seriously hurt or seriously lose because people are paying similar to Floyd Mayweather. People are paying to see him lose. The moment that he loses that first fight, all the money dries up. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something, bro. Let me tell you something. There's talk that he's going to fight Mike Tyson soon. Mike Tyson. I really hope really bad. Hold on. I hope it happens, and I hope that they go into it with like thinking Mike is gonna dive, and when they put him in the ring with Mike, he, they, like somebody snaps a camera or something, and like a fucking like a like a bull, no, he loses shit and he fucking. I hope so. Oh my god, I, don't think that's I would that the Paul boy wants to take. Well, it's it's a, there's a dive and then there's a carry. Ben Askren took a dive. Okay. Tyron carried. First fight. The difference between the two. All right. Exhibit A. Um, Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. You think he you know Mayweather's fight? fifty and right? So Mayweather fights Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor talks all the noise, builds up the fight. Uh-huh. Um, we are all aware, uh, unless somebody's going to try to argue that Conor McGregor could beat up Floyd Mayweather in boxing. Like we know that that was going to be a one-sided ass whooping. Yeah. So yeah. make it entertaining. So to make it interesting, Floyd Mayweather carries Conor McGregor to round eight and just finish him there. Right. I got to you. to hedge the bets and make sure he gets the most money in the in, in the long dog race as opposed to the quick fight. He could have beat him in round three. Easy. But he didn't because he could make more money in the longer rounds by uh default of the um of who's favoriting the wager. Mm-hmm. Right. Wait, so wait, Conor wait. McGregor's a favorite in in the first few rounds. Mayweather's a favorite in the long term and mm-hmm. so he takes him to round eight deep water and finishes him there. Mm-hmm. Right. But the point, though, is that he carried him. Mayweather knew that he could beat him at any time. Mm-hmm. Right. So in, in that instance of how he carried the fight, making it look good, quote unquote, uh, Muhammad Ali did this with a wrestler back in the day, by the way. That was called a quote unquote exhibition fight. You're too. talking about the uh, Asian wrestler who was like kicking at him and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Right. So that that is a part of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get into the situation where. Tyron fights Paul first. Mm-hmm. If you look at Tyron's history, I know you didn't follow this. I did. I'm a big fan of Tyron Woodley. Okay. But I'm a Strike Force fan. Mm-hmm. So watching him in Strike Force, he was champion there. Um, 
I saw where he fades in later rounds, no problem, but he's very explosive in the beginning. Okay. So if he knows that he's going to get off first and knock you out, which he has a track record of doing, and when he says, I'm going to knock you out, like you can put good money that he's going to, why didn't he? So when he did hit Jake Paul and knock him through the ropes and, and waited, well, why did you wait? Mm-hmm. What was the wait for? You could have finished him there. So everyone's crying foul, and it was a dive. It was a dive. Okay. Oh, excuse me. It was a carry, not a dive. So then they say the fight's fixed. Either way, both of what I'm saying is a fixed fight. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing but, about it is, and that's another reason why boxing, to me, from a casual's observation, why boxing started to lose so much of its luster over MMA. With boxing, like right now, with the, is it the welterweights that um, Lomachenko and all of them are in right now? And yes. Tank and they don't want to give you the fights that you want to see. There's all this political, you know, they don't just make it happen. Whereas in MMA, oh, you want to see these two guys scrap? We're going to do it next week. Well. Then, but you know what I'm saying? For the most part, I know there's different, all these hundred gajabillion belts. And it just seems like there's so much wait time for boxing in between these big fights. Hey, is Sean Porter worth more money as a champion or as a gatekeeper? I see where you're going with this. Is 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 Bud worth more money as a champion or a gatekeeper? I want him as a champ, though. Well, no, you want him as a champ, but his camp needs him as a champ. Right. He can't even command the same amount of money next fight if he lost the belts. True, indeed. So why not try to organize enough fights for him to maintain his belt holding status, mm-hmm. so that we don't have to worry about big scary Sean Porter they picked to fight Sean Porter when it was the last option left so Sean Porter had more miles on him mm-hmm. so Bud can go and beat him up easily if you fought Sean Porter five years ago Bud would not be the champion we you talked about this before Sean, you think Sean Porter would take him out I think he would have won by decision mm. I, when, we, when you text me about this I was talking about Sean Porter the last time we saw Sean Porter be Sean Porter yeah that's exactly what I said I, said, I think he's going to do it by decision but he was not the same. You know, that's the reason why Mayweather fought Canelo, Canelo when he did. You think he wants to fight Canelo now? Well, he says he does, but come on. Okay, no, 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 no. I said realistically. No, in reality, <laughs> he, yeah, he don't want no parts of Canelo right now. Canelo will, will take his necessary steroids and murder Floyd Mayweather. You know what's over? Gonna... I know, now, Rad, I know you have something to say about this. Why I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, you, no, no, no. No, because no, no, no. no, you got to no, no, no. think about steroids. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, hold on. Stop, listen, stop, stop, stop. I, I actually. Why do you think steroids is so predominant in wrestling? Like these guys that we grew up with are just dropping left and right and bodybuilding. As oh, well. because they had to be huge, bro. They had to be huge. Yeah. They had to be. They had to be <clears throat> the way that things were in those days. They like you. They they all had the juice because they had to be. You know, look at who they were competing with. And, and with wrestling, the game is obvious. You know who who's the who's the biggest rooster in the house. You know who's the biggest draw. Who's got the largest you know uh, personality. You know why hasn't Hulk Hogan and, had um, a heart attack? Say what? I said why hasn't Hulk Hogan had a heart attack? Well, uh, he has. Uh, he has. Do you want? Do we? Oh. Do you want does this do you want to do the conspiracy or do you want to do the truth of the matter? We can do whatever, man. Just open it up. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I have a thought. All right. I don't have a thought. Actually, I have proof. I have I have I have enough research in this. Number one, 
um, we're going to air an episode of the podcast that's coming out really soon um, because we talked about this last time I was uh, we were doing. Drop your plug on your podcast real quick, man. You here? Oh yeah, I'm 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 Donaldson's friend. I have a podcast. It's not important. This is your show. I'll get to it later. All right. Um, the the thing that we did talk about though um, was. He's a wrestling fan. So if you had seen the previous episode, we were talking about all the best belts. And I'm a fan of the million dollar belt because I'm an 80s baby. And he's more of a, a 90s on up kind of wrestler guy. Razor I'm Ron not. Razor always my guy. Razor Ron's the guy. Now, here's the deal, though, because I agree with you, Rad. I agree with you. Um, you had to be huge. The reason, But I will, I will see your point and raise you this. You're going to work 200 plus days a year, about 260 odd days a year. And we know that at least the good stuff now helps you with uh, regeneration of, of uh, injuries, right? So you can have muscle tears that going to help you build it back up. Um, back then, it was about bodybuilding. So they had a bodybuilder workout and a bodybuilding steroid regimen, which now here's to why the wrestlers are having a heart attack. DECA as one particular anabolic steroid. DECA yep. is yep. about your bodybuilders and not about your athletes, so if you put this into an athletic perspective, putting your you know horse tranquilizers into a human being who isn't supposed to necessarily take all that, and you're asking them to exasperate their heart so much more, so mm. constantly, 200 plus days a year on the road, mm. you're going to die soon. You're going to die early. Yeah. Okay. Now your new wrestlers are on new cocktails. Mm. <laughs> they're on they're on the good new stuff. You know, with the stamp of 2020. So it, it doesn't do EPO doesn't do the same thing that DECA did. It's not a bodybuilding complex. It's a it's a, a oh, ana, not sense. anabolic, but it's HGH for your lungs. Oh wow! Right? The, the 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 chemical compounds have changed, brother. So they yeah, you can be big, you can be swollen. If you look at the wrestlers now, though, right now mm-hmm. they look more svelte, athletic than they did like the Steiner brothers. Like that dude was shredded. Oh, he was like Scott Steiner had a problem. And then when he came in and he and he, he feuded with Triple H, it's like Triple H was drinking straight horse testosterone because he mm-hmm. like doubled in size. And they were doing push-ups and shit looking at each other. It was weird. Yeah. It was it, it was, was really weird. weird. That weird. That dark. Well you know when it really really got weird when Vince McMahon all of a sudden got jacked. Well he got on the DECA. Yeah. Oh um, see yeah. Once he once he grew muscles, I was like, man, there's something that they're like feeding each other. That's not You're right. Sixty year old, it looks it looks swollen. It doesn't work. Yeah, it does, yeah. does not work. I remember when Vince McMahon looked like David Herman. All right, yeah. he would look like he looked like a, like he was a little Schmendrick, and then all of a sudden he's jacked. It's like no, nah. yeah, and, no, and it's not it's not believable. But, but like, like Macho Man, bro, Macho Man had one last hurrah where he took one last dose of the stuff, and he like and he was like in. And all of a sudden, the next time you see him, he's like wearing a, a, a long sleeve shirt, and he he looked haggard. You know, you look at Lex Luger now. No, he Lex looks, Luger, but he had a different. Thing. Lex Luger was like uh, he, but Lex Luger, man, I don't know. I I I I am big. I was I was kind of a big wrestling fan also, and I don't I I, I don't know what to believe, what not to believe from the stuff they say about the wrestlers. But like, if it's to be believed, what I've heard about Lex Luger, what he did to like Miss Elizabeth, it fuck him, you know. It's it's a why do you you have to? I'm not defending any of what I heard either, but I'm saying that you have to deal with a person oh, who what is. Did he, what did he do? Uh, that's a lot of abuse. Okay. Um, 
So, so here, but here actually is the point of what we made on the show, which was that, you know, Fredo is asking me, like, do I believe what's happening right now? Because they're, you're losing wrestlers. Like their, their contracts are up and they're, they're going over to, um, they're going over to other venues. And he says, well, why do you think that is? And I said, well, it's only two things. One, uh, quality of life and better money at the, at the next show. Cause WWE has been around long enough that you've studied its market plan and know what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's all orchestrated. It's only one of the two. So if you, if you build up the storyline of this person being disgruntled at an administrative level to, to try to leave, it only brings more eyes to fill in the name of the blank wrestler that's leaving. But, but at the same time, that person's volunteering to smash their head in for 200 plus days a year on the road, taking the juice, dealing with the wounds, you know, it's for the sake of entertainment, jumping off a tightrope, slamming themselves into chairs, all that stuff. That's head trauma. That's head trauma. And you bring in gets the most head trauma. What sport? Do we are we yeah. counting wrestling as a sport? What we'll say it is. Okay. Either football. Um, well, no, I'm still gonna go with boxing. I mean, just judging from where I came from. So oh, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be boxing. That's true. I agree with that. Yeah. Do you, you think, can't now who do you think gets the most violent head injuries? That's football. Yeah. That's football. And, and 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 also, can we can we be can we be honest about this? Football, as a rule, set has changed dramatically so from when we, the way yeah. the way you grew up playing football is not the way they now currently play football. Um, the way you trained for a fight is not the way I used to train for a fight. It's yeah. not the same. Speaking of you football, know, like they, because the Texans are so horrible, I used to be a big Texas fan. Over the last two seasons, I have watched a total of one game because I mm-hmm. have a current I have a conspiracy theory about the Houston Texans. I do feel that Bill O'Brien was sent in as a plant by the New England Patriots to systemically destroy the Houston Texans. Now, what proof do I have? Well, number one, his horrible, horrible decision-making. I can't believe that all of this was completely ego-driven. There's just no way. Now, obviously, he came out with a book later, some kind of interview saying that he was always trying to get over there to get his job back or get a job with the New England organization. So do you guys know where um, Bill O'Brien went to after he left the Texans? Mm. I, I got to defer to you on that. You know I don't watch football. He went over to Alabama, right? And the head coach of Alabama, he's an offensive coordinator. The head coach of Alabama is Nick Saban. Nick Saban and mm. Bill Belichick are really good friends. Matter of fact, the current quarterback that they have over in the Patriots is from Alabama, Mac Jones. So his decision-making was so poor, I wouldn't be surprised that later down the road, something comes out that indeed he was on the payroll. And it's always funny when you come up with conspiracy theories of any kind, they sound ridiculous in the moment until later down the road when they're proven proven true. And you look back at all the data, and then you're wondering, well, how is it possible that no one could even see how, how that you know this as obvious as this was? Like, for example, you died. What's going on, Al? What's going on, man? Call in if you like. A lot of conspiracy theories seem ridiculous until you go back and just look at the data. They seem ridiculous in the moment that they're presented, until history plays out. That was my rant on the text. I mean, I agree with that. Chris. 
I mean, I agree with that in principle. It's just, you know what, you know where I really have, like when we, we can lateralize this statement, not just, you know, within football, but like when you're, when you want to make another move mm-hmm. and you're at that level where you can, you have all these connections, right? Within the, the coaching camps, it makes all the sense in the world that you would try to sensationalize that to get some attention on your, on your unhappiness. Right. So that the move would make more sense. Because now you brought heat onto the organization. They can let you go. They can let you go very easy. Yeah, without question. I mean, you're kind of greasing the, the slide at that point. True indeed. But, you know, I, I got to say that I think, like, being a coach or even being an announcer or being any any type of a – I didn't think that would be a great way to make a living. Like, they're paying you to watch football and commentate on it every Sunday, especially for the former player. But I think the hardest part about being a former player, former athlete, is knowing when to walk away. That's got to be really, really, really difficult, especially if it's something that you've been doing from a very young age to realize at some point, like you can see it, like going back to Mike Tyson. You can see it. He loves boxing. He likes hurting people. He doesn't. Well, as far as boxing goes, you don't think so? The whole destroyer. I think it's over for him. I think it's I think it's over for him after he licked the toad. Oh, the psychedelic toads. Yeah, he did talk about that. He did it how many times? Uh, I mean, a lot. But I mean, I'm talking like the first time though. Yeah. Like when he he openly said it, like it it, it stripped him of his ego. But mm-hmm. Mike Mike's different, man. Mike's different. Yeah. Mike Mike was institutionalized since he was since he was a child. Mike's mm-hmm. that's not. A, can we can we use another example? Just any any Can athlete. We, it doesn't necessarily have to be Mike Tyson, but any athlete. It's I would just assume that it's really hard for you to one day say that, hey, my body's not letting me do this anymore. I can't compete at the thing because you know. Look at Muhammad Ali. I think yeah, I think that I think he his his swing was the worst. You know, well, mm. I mean, the best to like you know. It was, you know, I imagine he suffered greatly, you know. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not that I was a huge fan, but I think that, you know, it was important. He was auspicious, you know. Well, I just think for athletes um, it's harder because for other disciplines, like we'll say artists or what have you, uh, well, even musicians have it pretty tough when you finally realize that you're not popular anymore and nobody's listening to your – like what would that feel like? Let me think of who's an artist that we listen to you know the dude I wish I was a little bit taller, right? Yeah. Skilo. Skilo. Skilo could do a live performance in my front yard right now and nobody would show up. As opposed to <laughs> yes, you, would. you didn't you don't you didn't I would, be right there. I would I would go to my mailbox. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> like, oh man, Skilo's outside. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah, hey, get off my lawn. <laughs> get off the lawn, yeah. Skilo. <laughs> Sidewalk, not the grass. Sidewalk. That's public property. I own this. Hey, you didn't see recently that Lil Troy was got into an eighteen wheeler accident. He's driving a truck now. He's been he's been doing trucking for a while, actually. But once again, that's got to be a tough, tough transition to where you know you go out in public, people are shouting your name everywhere you go. You're doing all these public performances, and almost overnight less and less and less people are coming towards you and it's got to be a blow to the ego because they're and then you're always especially if you're a one-hit wonder always sitting there thinking okay man if i just make this that it never comes back 
that's it. It's over with. That's just got to be a hard pill to swallow. Hey, what's the um the the topic? Well, not the topic. Excuse me. The title of this show today is uh, "Moments in Glass." Moments in Glass. Um, you missed it. So what I was talking about earlier when we first started was um, building habits, building positive habits, and try. I'll I'll bring it back. I heard some of it. So you heard a little bit. I heard some of it. I got it. Not not. I didn't want to cut you off. I was just I was trying to tie in what I was going to say with the title. Oh, um, well, because okay, uh, I argued Tyson was not a good example for this. Mm-hmm. I also will secondary uh, argue that Ali wasn't a good example. Granted, he did fight for way too long. His ego wasn't the reason why he fought. And I think what you're touching on is ego right now. Mm-hmm. And Ali, the reason why the Man Act exists is because the Nation of Islam, as well as some other entities, used Ali for longer to profit off of his show and not his health. Um, again, just just different uh, in terms of life of a boxer. The question that you asked, though, about the one who really enjoys the game, mm-hmm. Jordan, when he came back from 23 to 45, sure. Um, you know, Manny Pacquiao, he would be a perfect example, in my opinion, of staying in way too long. Yeah. Um, because he finally retired because it did. It did. Roy, Roy, yeah, perfect example. He, he went from heavyweight champion, well, yeah, he did heavyweight as well, but he went from the champion boxer um, through all those weight classes all the way up to getting knocked out on a Wednesday morning for us in Australia. Like, you know, he just, your body does fail you. I stopped earlier because I knew how this ends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's just the choices that you make. And if you stay in long enough, ooh, I'll stay in long enough to get the belt. Okay, well, that's a brass ring. What if it never comes? Um, well, and and if it doesn't it come, it doesn't mean anything. Well, again, Mike licked the toad. <laughs> he's he's different. He's different. You can't. This is totally. That's like talking astrophysics to a wino. He's on a whole different plane. You well, know, but, and and respectfully so. But even if he is on a whole different plane, there has to be. There is something to be said about accomplishments in life and what they do mean. I think as you start going up and up and up and up and up. You start realizing that some of those monetary things, they don't really mean as much to you as you think they would as some of the simpler things, like hanging out with your family okay. and friends. Because right. you could have all those things, like you'd have all the belts in the world, world and still be a very lonely person. Yeah, I, I agree. I um, There was a conversation that I had. Uh, I'm trying to just FYI about my little my little show. I'm trying to get um, the reason why Roy Jones, my theory, the reason why Roy Jones became who he was is because of one man that he beat. Uh, And and I'm trying to incorporate him into the conversation because he's a buddy of mine. I just need him to not be shy. Um, But so that that one conversation takes us into this little thing that I was about to say, which is if you're. If you're dealing with this level of, of pride, the, sec- the, the separation between a, an athlete and a pugilist, right, a prize fighter. If you're an athlete, if you're a college wrestler, if you're an Olympian, those people as athletes are going to fight, toil, struggle, train, sacrifice two years of their life in training, two years of their life in training, hardcore, with the discipline and those habits in order to get a gold medal. Right. The gold medal is what they're going for. They're not going for the the endorsement deals. Some of these people don't get that. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you will, I mean, not some, most of them don't get that. Coca-Cola endorses the Olympics. They don't endorse Michael Phelps or every other swimmer too, right? So his team doesn't get the money that Michael Phelps gets. It. They compete for the medal. The medal is the pride. That's the, that's the goal of your, of your exercise. Now, once you start fighting for money, that's a little different. Right now, now you're an asset and people need to protect their investment. So things are going to get a little reorganized. But in a tournament style, which is how I came up in the tournaments, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you won the last tournament. You're coming in at the rank that you're set, but everyone else is going to be there, too. These kids are going to take your head off for a T-shirt. It's about the prize. So that changes the mindset of the person in order to um, continue along with the sport. Then you go into, you know, uh, Lennox Lewis, Red Ranger, who has one name. What was that? As a champion fighter. I don't know. That wasn't me. Um, but if you, if you go into those guys as champion fighters, how long you stay a champion, mm-hmm. how long Tom Brady stays in the game, how long, you know, um, Jerry Rice wants to run, like, that's based on how much money they're making. They don't love catching the football and getting slammed that much. That's about them being an asset now. True. Changes the taste in their mouth. Well, you know, it's it, it, but I agree. I think that's another hard thing about being an athlete. Also, is because and and I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate when people say this. I've watched those thirty for thirties, you know, uh, broke and stuff like that. They're like, oh man, I can't mm. believe these guys make all this money. And they, I'm like, they're in their twenties. 20s if somebody gives you a million dollars and you've never had any previous financial advice or history and nobody to guide you i know what the hell i would have done with the million dollars in my 20s onyx i would have been right in there blowing it all (laughs) oh i thought you meant the rap group you meant real onyx okay (laughs) i meant the real one and by the time these guys figure it out which with the time that most of us figure it out late 20s early 30s hell mid 30s as an athlete it's already too late. It's over. The run is done. Yeah. I, I blew then, a lot of money in my 20s. We all did. Man. We all yeah, did. we did. I didn't have money, and I still found ways to blow money. Man. I think you I think you asked me a question. like, how are you even doing this? I'm like, I don't even know. Like, it was, <laughs> I blew a lot of money in my 20s. Oh, man. Yeah. And mostly, on you know, going to clubs and you know, I was actually I've been que- I've been asking a lot of people. It's funny the things that the world tells you are important really aren't important. I'll give for I'll just ask anybody on the question on on the call. Name three men, famous guys that you look up to. It can be anybody. It's not about who the guys actually famous are. guys I look up to. Anybody, just hmm. three random names. Don't think too hard about it. It's not about the guys. I would say at this point, The Rock. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Who else? And then no, no. Listen, listen. I know no, that. No, no, listen. I got you. Don't defend it. Don't defend it. Just no, no, no. It, it's so it, it's it's defendable though. The Rock is. No, if you, no, I, if you no, look, no, it's not the Tony. It's not the point. Just throw okay. Two more names. Okay. Just fine. Two more names. Uh, um. Let's see. Um. Hmm. We'll just, uh, say, we'll just say Malcolm X and Mike Tyson, right? Malcolm X and well, Mike Tyson and The Rock. Just for the well, I mean, that's yours. Well, what's Tony's? Like, no, 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 what, no, what no, you got? Who, who's the other two? It's not about the guys. Okay. So, okay, yeah, the point yeah. of this, out of those three guys, right, how many women have they slept with, would you guess? Oh, man. 
Oh, oh wow. Really? All right. That's where we're going with this? Okay. Hold, okay. hold on. I'm going somewhere with this. You really don't. I'm going, uh, I'm going with, with, with two. Uh, I'm going with two for Malcolm X because that's all I'm going to talk about with Malcolm X. Right. It's and one when he was Detroit Red and, and his wife when he was Malcolm X. That's it. Right. And you might have The Rock. Maybe I slept with Hundreds with Mike Tyson. Maybe Hundreds. Maybe so. Maybe not. Same with Martin Luther King. Mike Tyson only slept with Robin Gibbons. Maybe a hundred. Well, wow. The point is, the point that I'm trying to make, the point that, re- that I'm really trying to make is when we look at these men and look at these accomplishments, the amount of women that they did or didn't sleep with doesn't matter. But when we're young and in our 20s, we spend so much energy chasing that only to realize nothing comes from it. Well, in my defense, I wasn't doing it for glory. It was more out of gratification. Well, some of us do it, but some of us do it, but some of us do do it for glory to do it as a notch on our belt to, to impress oh. these, to impress people. It's an odd thing. It's a really odd thing. And especially happens to men younger in their twenties and so on and so forth. And it's such an empty pursuit. And what's really interesting of it, the interesting thing about it, when you look at it in retrospect, if you think about all the things that the world tells you is impressive, sleeping with a lot of women being a party animal, so on and so forth, as your life starts coming to a close, those are actually the things that life, that the general public will ridicule you for. You're not looked at as, it's not looked at as a positive, it's looked at as if you're a degenerate for engaging in these, in these things, even though society has told you these things were what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. 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 Because like, look yeah. at uh, I, I, Ron I, I, Jeremy I hear right now. Man. Look at Ron Jeremy. He looked at his complete scumbag right now. Like, well, no, Ron Jeremy is a scumbag. Time out. Time out. <laughs> is he, he's not a scumbag because of the movies. He's a scumbag for what happened behind the scenes. Behind the movies, right. Yeah, right. You know, but he, 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 he's a person that I've actually encountered in real life because of working on an event, mm-hmm. right? Like, he was a celebrity. Yes, it's something that I was working at. Okay. No, he's a scumbag, okay? He's like, like he's a, he, sorry, go ahead. It's just like, you know, when you're younger, we've all had the thought. And if not, maybe it's just me. Oh man, being a porn star would be great. I would love to be a porn star. And then you get older and you start to realize that's not a life that you would actually want to live. I feel like it would be really hollow. It would, I think it would get old, much older, faster than you could think. And I think you would actually have a really difficult time forming any kind of meaningful bonds after the fact because of what you put yourself through voluntarily. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I, I don't I don't have a I don't have a devil's advocacy to this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe you. I agree with you um, because I, what I've learned to value more in in this age now is something that instant gratification can't give me. Um, so I, I, I can see that. And, and actually, every point that you've been making, I've been following, man. And I love this. It's all about ego. It's really all about ego. You know, like oh, yeah. when to get off the throttle, when, when, to, when to cash in your chips, when to stop fighting, when to stop running, like when to stop trying to have all the girls. Like that's all ego fed. Most, uh, a major- so much of it is ego fed. Uh, and you don't re- like look once again, going back to bodybuilders, man. They're literally willing to die to have, because, you know, body dysmorphia, that they're willing to mm-hmm. die to achieve this look that in actuality, 
the general population kind of finds grotesque. Most people don't really want the complete bodybuilder look. Not in actuality. Uh, because, you know, they most of them want the, uh, you know, you know what? Let me tell you something. I've realized that whole grass is always greener mentality mm-hmm. is like, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, it's kind of how we all do it. You know, it's just, you know, you, you get it and then you want, you know, I don't know. Well, that's the, that's, that's the thing about it. The grass is always greener thing. It occurs when you try to use external things to fix an internal problem. So your engine's broke, but you keep getting paint jobs. If you have an issue with your self-esteem, as opposed to, I don't know, going to a therapist or maybe just looking internally, if you try to mask these things with a better body or money or women or drugs, you're always going to, you're going to be trying to quench a thirst that will never, it'll never be achieved. It's not feasible if that's the reason why you're going after those things. If you're going after something for the sake of that I enjoy this thing, this is what I want to do, this is what I enjoy to do, you will eventually at some point hopefully have some sense of contentment and peace. That's why you see rappers who may not be making the most money in the world be happier than some of the ones who are making the most money in the world because they're able to express and do their art in the way that they see fit and they're not doing it for money which is why you'll see some of these people that have all this money because like I was thinking about Kanye West for example Kanye oh, West God. well no 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 it's not the route that you think that I'm going with it well no just so, Kanye West so, so the thing with Kanye West right once again we think oh being a celebrity would be great you get all this attention you get all these women so on and so forth who could Kanye West date or even befriend at this point in his life that he would know that the relationship is purely organic? That's got to be a very, very off-putting and lonely feeling, wondering if every person that you meet from X point or even people that you've met or meet in the past, are they using me for something? Does anybody actually like me? That's got to be one of the loneliest feelings on the planet. He started a church. That's really all you need to know on that subject matter. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you on what you're stating. I just, I hate the example. Um, But it could be Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy's another one. Anybody at that level. Yeah. Well, you know, you know why, why I want to, why I put an asterisk even next to, next to Diddy. Um, But why I put an asterisk next to him is because he is uh, a megalomaniac. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's evident he would say he's egotistical. But and I would also argue that an artist at that level of performance mm-hmm. probably is a bit egotistical. Any one of them would be mm-hmm. his his main problem that it doesn't seem like he's actually healed from mm-hmm. is that he. No, that's not that's not where I'm going. Okay. Um, he, he can he can make um, a person famous. He can make a person. Now he actually wrote a song about this, but I'm just gonna. I'm just statistically, mm-hmm. prior to Kardashian, okay, um, he had Amber Rose. Mm-hmm. Amber Rose was no one until he brought her to the red carpet. Correct. I'll tell you that 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 quite honestly, I, I like some of his records earlier, but the most well put together piece of work he has ever done, ever done, in my opinion, 
is the short film Runaway. Okay. And it actually does describe him meeting her in a very artistic way. Um, but it is, I mean, it'll make you cry. But, but the thing about it that back to his ego is that he created her fame, her infamy, but she was still her. I mean, she still has to be a human being, right? right. But he gave her fame and she said, I don't even want this. Like, this is way too much for me, which brings it up to, he's the one who can handle it. You, you are being a newcomer to the situation. It was too much for you. He has to handle it. That makes him a lot more egotistical than the average person. Right. Well, so I don't think issues. Well, I, I, you said it, not me. I started talking about Mike Tyson licking the toad and all of a sudden we wanted to not asterisk Mike, but that's the same thing with him. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got he's got some things that he needs to really rectify. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't believe that the medication they have him on is appropriate for him. But that's also because he's a part of the Kardashian machine. Yeah. So it's it's a little, you know, he's an asterisk because his his situation's unique. Yeah. But and then there's a song that. There, yeah, there you yeah, go. I just Great song. Instrumental. But um, yeah. But any of those. <laughs> are you, you going to get pulled from radio if you, if you play the real Maybe. song? It's never happened before. I, so we're about to find okay. out. Uh, but, uh, I got um, I got shadow banned from because I put too much WWE content on my last episode. Oh, so I get ass it. Haters. But uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be tough. <laughs> and then, you know, the older I got, I used to really think that I wanted to be famous. But now I don't think I'd want to be famous because, like, I fuck up a lot. So yeah. I couldn't imagine, like, all my fuck ups being every breakup that I've ever had every night that I got drunk being televised to the whole world every time that I was like you know when you you know when you're depressed and you decide that you just want to go to the store for some ice cream or something and you look like who done it and then you go outside and all these people are taking pictures of look at Donaldson fat sloppy one yeah. shot gone like who who would actually want <laughs> one sock <laughs> if you walk out with one sock we got a problem Chadwick Boseman, when he was dying, yeah. he was like, he was skinny because he was dying. Yeah. And people were so in there talking him. so much shit about him. And he was dying. It's terrible. You know, look at, or, you know, your friend Kanye. Can you imagine the feeling in his stomach? All this about, I'm saving my marriage and his wife is humping Pete Davidson. Oh my God. Ah, see, that's what it's I'm insulting saying. in itself. Yeah. Oh. Hey, you, here's a thought. I had a random thought. Um, okay, so California, Los Angeles is Los Angeles, right? Um, and that is the epicenter of paparazzi as well as all the celebrities, right? I mean, we all understand that. But you wonder why you don't get the same level of newsworthy content coming out of New York um, or, or the tri-state area. And, and I, I have a theory. They do. They, there's, a lot, there's tons of paparazzi in New York, especially in uh, Manhattan. Anywhere that you know, you have all those broadcasting stations. There's a lot of media right. on there, right? But look at the look at the things that they promote out of or the content that they send you about those celebrities in New York versus Los Angeles. Los Angeles is you're going to get caught walking, you know, wearing this, wearing that. Um, you you'll be interacting. Who's dating who? Who's seen it? Pergola? Who's seen it? You know, Katana. But New York isn't really the same type of news. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I, the and, thing is that New York New York is centralized. But things that happen in California affect the rest of the United States. Things that happen in New York, only New York gives a shit about. Them. You know what I mean? Well, okay. So, so I hear you on that. I do. Um, what I was, what I was trying to drive to though is that the celebrities in New York, because it is concentrated, I agree with you. 
um, because it's concentrated, their interactions with each other is such a normalcy that that's not newsworthy. Mm. So you, you could be at one restaurant and see these people because it's the tri-state. And so they're always going to be at those same places because who those cares? are the best places to be. Right. So who cares? Right. You walk out. Oh, I just ran into Randy Jackson. Bad example. But I just ran into Randy's action the other day. Right. But you're out there and he lives there. Like, you know, who cares? Every day. So As opposed to. News is that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like and, and in California, it is almost appropriate that you try to make the news because they're out there. It's a, it's a different. It's a different uh, zoo than New York is. Right. The standard of, of celebrity interaction is different in New York or the greater New York area than Los Angeles. Like you just, you just happen to see them there. Like it's, it's, if every day is a sunny day, then what's a sunny day? Right. You know, like it, it's that again, just a loose theory. I'd rather be Chad than Pharrell. I, at first I didn't feel that way, but yeah, I'd rather be in the background at this point. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I'd rather live in Tribeca where it's an artsy community and you're going to see Andre 3000 playing the flute walking down the street and it's a normal thing. Like that's why he left. He left because he couldn't go outside without being mobbed. He went somewhere that everyone is like him. Yeah, yeah, and he's enjoying himself so much better. I hate. I wish he would drop more work. I just, I just love Andre Three Thousands. One of he's on my list of never really. He's never really dropped a bad verse. I've never heard Andre Three Thousand verse and like that was trash. That was complete dumpster juice. We we don't deserve Andre Three Thousand. He he just he I can understand why he got bored of rap because of the ability, the innate almost innate ability that he had to be able to jump around and his storytelling. That's another thing people really don't give Andre his props for. I would put him in as far as storytelling abilities. He's probably in my top five. So the list, it, and it's always going to be Slick Rick at number one. I don't care what anybody says. It's yeah. just, that's it's not just an argument. Fact. Another person who has underrated storytelling abilities is DMX. DMX was actually a very good storyteller. Mm. He's able to paint a very great picture. Eminem's up there. Ice Cube is up there in some of his earlier work. Uh, Face can tell an excellent story. And that's really... Yeah. Eminem is actually really good. Really, actually, he's damn good at telling a story. Uh, as a dysfunctional as Nas, Nas is another awesome one. Uh, let me think, who else is up there in my story? Vinny Paz. I'm not really a Vinny Paz listener, so I can't say yay or nay on him. Uh, who else is an excellent storyteller? That's really my whole list. Raekwon, Ghostface. Ghostface is really good. Ghost is really, really good. His is more average. The Jizza, quite honestly, I mean. I've never been yeah. a Jizza fan. Never yeah. Really oh my god. Yep, 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 yep. How how I does just, I just never how does this occur? I've never really gravitated towards the genius. I don't know if it's his delivery. I don't know what it is about him that I just you know who else I don't like? MF Doom. Never. What? Okay. Hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. <laughs> Good to meet you, Rad. I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm, you've just said something shocking. Yeah, yeah I've listened to all of his work. Dare I've I really say controversial. I've really tried to dive into it and really give it. Have you listened to Danger Doom? You, have you really listened to it? No like. Me no like. Well, you just said he doesn't like oh. this, but I don't know what to think. That was where he, he. That was like a one-two punch. 
So, so you did you like Aqua Team Hunger Force at all? It was like, oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the truth comes out. I don't even know who you are, man. Do, don't even, do that's why you, you don't like want That's why you never meet your heroes. They always do. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the same thing as Barbara saying Bar Luther King punched me in the chest. He's like, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> Hold on a second. Pineapple on the pizza? Yes or no? No. Uh, I don't. Oh, do that. No. I, don't, I don't do that. Definitely yes. No. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yes. Thank no, you. No. What's wrong Thank with you. you guys? Oh man, something's wrong with you guys. I, I don't. I don't see the problem with it. I really don't. No, I really it's delicious. Don't. Like it's, it's delicious. It, it's it's not delicious. It's amazing. Yeah, you know who you know who else likes pineapples on their pizza? Juggalos. Who? <laughs> Would you really call me a juggalo? Because of <laughs> hey, if they like if if they like if, if if they like pineapple on pizza, a broken clock, something, 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 something. Because pi so, pineapple on pizza is amazing. So, Todd, juggalo. I asked you about this earlier. Has anybody on the call What's ever heard about the these these group these two kids called the Island Boys? Yes. Okay. Oh dear. Yes. Have you heard yes. of it? Yes. Oh boy. Well, yes. it's not a big thing, but it just worries me because they don't have an actual song out. They have no actual real talent. All they have is a face full of tattoos and like a thirty second TikTok, and somehow they're huge. And well, they're huge because they're part of that culture, dude. And the thing is, is that the there are a couple of kids that are like third generation, like transplants where they live. They do live out in the islands. It's just that they're like the B-Rad Malibu of island kids, you know? And people like that shit. You know, people watch the Jersey Shore. People people like that shit. People like the big cheesy schmushes. They it, love it. You know what's crazy? Did, did any of us really think that when Real World came out back in the 90s that it that style, that format of television was going to take over completely? No. I never, I didn't Not necessarily. Think that we were witnessing a pivotal, almost a pivotal turn in entertainment. There's no way that I could have thought that. It wasn't that, it was, I mean, it was entertaining, but I wouldn't want to watch that shit all the time. Now that's all they make. Yeah. I don't think, does MTV even show uh, music videos? The, they don't show music videos. It's mostly ridiculousness. A couple of shows that are spinoffs of the real worlds, like the you know those concerts. That, I mean, they're not concerts; they're those contests that they they do the uh, real world, real world, real rules challenge or whatever the hell that type of shit. And um, a couple of original shows here and there, like Team Mom or whatever the fuck. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You know what? And I and y'all can so next 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 week, but the following week, I am gonna do an album review on something. But I don't know if I'm going to do it on hip hop because me and hip hop are starting to, my love affair is starting to wax and wane with it. I don't really check out new music the same way that I used to when I was younger. And something about the message is really starting to bother me now. Like, I'm not saying it's all artists. I'm not going to do country. So you can hang that up. Uh, I'm not going to say it's all artists because I still do enjoy some of it. But the predominant amount of hip hop is starting to really bother me. Even when I was I was looking at this uh, interview that Ed Lover did, and I looked it up. You know, fifty one percent of the way that hip hop artists die is through gun violence. 
or violence of some type. Uh, Draco the Ruler just passed away today, by the way. Draco, what? Yeah. Draco the Ruler just got stabbed, and he's 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 not with us They're anymore. Dropping like flies this year. Yeah. Like, and like, what's sad about it is when Tupac and Biggie got killed, that was an anomaly, and we all thought it was going to get better. But literally, year after year from that moment, it's only gotten worse. You want to know why? Because we're not addressing the actual problem. And a lot of people are putting the onus on hip-hop, and that's not the price. I mean, first first things first, they say, oh, this is a hip-hop problem. You know what I'm saying? It's not a hip-hop problem. It's not even a rap music problem. The problem is, is within the streets that the street life that they talk about in these rap songs, you know what I'm saying? But yep. we, particularly the black community, we're too afraid or we were too indifferent on that whole aspect to, to even to address it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So people go for that quick cop out and say, oh, man, this is all on hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Which is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're putting the real problem. You're, you're, you're taking the real problem off the hook. You're, you're letting the real problem off the hook. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like you're not. I mean that's and, and and I mean that's pretty much everything that I said. The problem is the street life. You know what I'm saying? The gang, yeah. the gang, uh, the gang wars. All that you know, the gang wars. Um, you know, the but they drug, want that, uh, bro. They want that. How else are they going to fill all these private prison institutions that they built in the nineties? You said it, bro. Yeah the the way the way the rap is working nowadays in terms of the music. Um, it, it's it's fairly fairly bland, but that's our fault. That's our fault um, because we've allowed for that to be the standard. We slid the standard down, and we allowed them to do that without any prior research and prior homage to the people who actually started it. That's our we fault. Started, and we started so, to champion those industry plants because they but, were. But 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 you can go further than that. I mean, the industry pushes the machine. They're going to get to radio. Radio is going to drive more sales. Blah blah blah. But there's also industry plants on the other side that are getting money that otherwise they would not champion these young boys. They're getting money to say, hey, he's next up. He's good. He's good. Listen to him instead. So they've been paid too. You you remember this from back in the day, man. Payola used to be the reason why radio spins actually took place. So like this isn't it's not anything new. They're just paying the streamers now. They're not paying, you know, 97.9, but they're paying, you know, Viacom. Or they're paying whoever owns the streaming service. But I think what's most disturbing is that in the past, right, we they would at least make up a backstory about this person or whoever. Now we're actually seeing them make industry plants and put them in here. Like the one I always use is Bad Barbie. You know exactly who she was before she came about. Same with Takashi Six Nine. Uh, so many of these people don't have the hell Cardi B, bro don't have any discernible talent at all and we're letting them make these people big even though they're making music that is not good um making the stallion could you could you argue that mm-hmm. well go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say megan the stallion can actually rap like she can actually rap rap for real and i'm not blaming her necessarily for the content that she's making because she's young and she wants to make money but that kind of sucks that she's not able to make a different type of music. But what was the point that you were going to make? Okay. Could you argue or could you agree with me that the music now isn't for your age bracket? 
Absolutely. And I'm glad that you said that because conspiracy theory. I need a I need a conspiracy theory like a soundboard. Dun dun dun. So I was Listen, I'm working on it. I'll send you one. All right, bet. <laughs> I was listening to this song by Future called Demon Time or something like that. And I'm listening to yeah. it. And I realized that I couldn't make out what he was really saying. It was all dun dun dun. dun. And then I heard him say one part, and then I was pimping out the preacher's daughter. And I was like, man, did he just say that? So I go and look mm -hmm. at yeah. the lyrics with a straight face. Yeah, yeah. And I go and look at the lyrics, and it's full of arguably very demonic content, like very troublesome words. And, well, then, I started, uh, and then I started thinking about it. So as we age. We, we're, start, we're not able to pick up on certain frequencies that younger people are able to. So while we are not able to hear these frequencies, people that are younger than us can hear exactly what they're saying perfectly. So what better way to give across a message that can influence people than right in your face? Because you could be in the car with mom or dad, and to them, all they hear is, but you hear Temple Preacher's Daughter. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a theory. Well, Actually, can, I, can, I theory. can I ask a question? Yeah. As we're going to conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. let's talk about something here. All right. What is your opinion on this whole Astro World thing that happened? Oh, with, with them thinking that Travis Scott was like a demonic sacrifice type. Yeah, like he only thinks. So that's the thing. One conspiracy says now. I'll give you that they use a lot of the the, the, the the usual satanic panic shit in the stage and all that. And I see it. I see it. I'm not going to. But I don't think that he that was, you know, what he was. I don't think that that's actually what he was doing. I think he was just, um, you know, being crazy. Like he's. You know, I think things just got out of control. Yeah. I think it was a demonic he's, ritual of any kind. That's nothing to do with demon. It, demonism, demon, nothing like that. He's that kid um, has created a trend of music that is pretty identifiable. Kanye bit his style a bit, or you can say, quote unquote, use him for inspiration, and that's fine. But he went off and created his own wave, which is fine. And he got buy in from people who do not bootleg music. So he is very, very famous, and he's a brand household name now. Having said that, he's also wild as hell. Um, so, you know, he, he sponsors mosh pits, which is not hip hop. That's not hip hop at all. So the mosh pits, a whole different genre of music culture. Um, they're doing that at his shows. Now he wants you to stage dive, jump off of rafters and trees. That's totally concert event, you know, hoopla. It, but, it's called rager music, by the way, just wanted to rager. go ahead and, uh, so that, yeah, it's called rager music. It's something that he, um, little Uzi Vert. Playboy Cardi, those are the, the, that's what the, that's what they do. It's called rager yeah. music. But, but right. go ahead. No, and, and I feel you. And I appreciate it. I guess the question I would also ask, though, for later is: Is that still "quote unquote" hip hop? Because it's splintered now. It, you so, just threw a bomb like at a tree. It's gone in a million different pieces. So I will say, at first, I did not agree. I always thought that hip hop had to come with a backpack and a hoodie and be listening to headphones. But I have let go of smell like food and bergamot. Yeah, I, I just had to let go of some of my previous notions because once again, art is art is art is art. Regardless of the form that I like to consume it in, regardless of how it's packaged and sent out, it is all hip hop okay. to me. I, I believe so. Okay. So in, in in that theory, then we would argue that Leonardo da Vinci's sketchbook is the same as a Jackson Pollock painting. I don't know the difference between because it ain't. Go, go, go. No, it ain't. It, uh, 
It ain't. I mean, is the Sistine Chapel, if you look up at the top of the Sistine Chapel and say, wow, those angels look great. Is that the same as what my son does in his sketchbook? So now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is the question, are they both art? The answer is yes. If you're saying, okay, is one well, is it consumable art? That's that's up to the consumer because didn't they buy paintings by a gorilla at one point? I mean, it all depends. What's that? Facts. It's, it, it all depends on who is. I'm just saying, it literally all depends on who wants to look at it. And Listen, no, Donaldson, no, uh, Donaldson, I have to, Donaldson, I have to chime in real quick yeah. and say this. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. But I hate that argument so much but, I mean, because yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Right. Because a lot of these kids use the art is subjective argument for why they consume this garbage. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's starting to become an excuse for them to consume this garbage. You know what I'm saying? Instead of it actually them actually having a legitimate bearing for why they listen to this. You know what I'm saying? I listen to Nas because he, he he tells good stories. He's a good lyricist. Hell, I listen to Three Six Mafia. Three Six Mafia because they amp me up. Now I'm gonna say this: their music is. I mean, they 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 do have you know their music does get you amped, but it's not the good kind of amped. It's it's just straight up noise. You know what I'm saying? It's borderline Merzbo, uh trash. So think about it in this fashion. Go ahead. If, if I bounce a basketball and Michael Jordan plays a ba- bounces a basketball, are we not both playing basketball? There are levels to no. it. No. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not playing basketball? No, you're not playing basketball in this. No, what you didn't get drafted. Okay, then what am I? Hold on. Then what am I? didn't say professional basketball. I said playing what basketball. What are you saying? No, 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 no. Listen, no, no. listen, listen. I would say the that it's like, it's like. It's the same. Okay, it's, that's like the difference between a boxer and a pugilist. Okay. You know, you have one person, and that's the difference between somebody who who takes a hammer and hits a nail into a wall, mm-hmm. and a, a carpenter that comes right. that knows how to check for a beam and make sure he's not going to fuck with you. Donaldson, 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 Donaldson. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Give it to me. Um, are you good enough at basketball to be getting paid for it? No, unless people would like to laugh at me. Okay. All right. So, so you see where I'm going with you. Are you, are you no, but see that that the question wasn't are we I, are we saying that is there a difference between a kid in a third world country dribbling a basketball and Michael Jordan playing a basketball on a professional level? What country is obviously, obviously hold on hold on obviously there's a difference, but the act is the same. Just like if Ron Jeremy okay. has sex and I have sex, we are both having sex. It's just different degrees okay. of consumption. I think the difference there is consent. That that's hilarious, and also Boom. not funny, but funny. <laughs> but, Don, but not funny, Donaldson, but the, funny. The, the difference, the difference of what you're saying. I don't want. To, I don't want to challenge you by saying you're moving the goalposts, but you are. Okay. All right. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, as well as anybody else in the NBA, was legitimately drafted for their talents. Okay. The person who just picks up a basketball on the street. And mm-hmm. says I could have went pro, comma, but has not been drafted for their talents. It's not the same thing, right? It's but not the same they, thing. Well, the act. What are they doing? But okay, the, the act on, is the same on, as my child question. picking hold up on, a crayon. Better question. Better question. If Michael Jordan, with his skill level, when he was say he's the greatest basketball player of all time, never gets drafted, but plays the exact same way he plays on the streets of Harlem, is he not playing basketball? 
or does it not matter because he didn't get drafted? No, because he would just be Michael Jordan from the block instead of Michael Jordan, G-O-T. Not playing basketball. Okay, let me ask you a question. No, he's just dribbling the ball. Did, did you like the second? <laughs> here, here, here's, a, here, here's, here's something. Here's something I gotta what tell you not? though. If, if if Michael if Michael Jordan was still that good, he'd be he'll be Earl the Goat Manigault because that's what that's what he is. He was that good. He just never okay. made it to the league for whatever reason. But there's still an urban legend behind him. So like we talk, I mean, people talk about him all the time. You consider time. graffiti artists who never make it into the loot artists. I mean. Yes. Why? Yeah. Why is that different? What if they never got recognition of their work? What if they never got recognized? What if people just walk by and say that's dope? Well, but then, but, but the thing is, them. but the thing is, is that dudes like Cornbread, Scene, and whoever uh, those are a couple off the top uh, graph artists. They Basquiat, for example, they got recognized. If they never got recognized, but their art was there, it's a, a, a good name drop. If if they never got if they never got recognized and they still look if we still look at their art and we revere it it's mm-hmm. still art that's revered you so know what I'm saying you know what argument you guys are going into you're basically saying that album sales equal skill uh, yeah so, uh, so I'm so not think, that's think about, okay 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 it. no that's okay. what you're saying oh no 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 that's see, what you're saying see, you're saying album sales album sales is not controlled by especially nowadays it's not necessarily just controlled by how good the album is it's controlled by how they're marketed to the target uh, demographic then who determines what level of recognition you need as an artist for it to be recognized like what's the threshold there the the, the 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 record label label owners the big three any art they determine that no no any art forget forget rap music art itself what's the threshold when does it say okay this goes from this guy doodling to does it is it 10 people 20 people a thousand 1500 what's the cutoff then social media has moved the goalpost on that mm-hmm. i feel like you know if on average <clears throat> Like you, because that that stuff is relative. Exactly. All right, and I think, and I think the question asked, and you know what, you can boo me if you want. You can fucking boo me if you want. I'm gonna say it. I don't give a fuck because it's true. It depends on whether or not you're a hot girl. If you're a hot girl, you can take a shit on a plate. People are gonna pay lots of money to see you do it. Me, I mean, I or somebody being good at something. Yeah, no, no. Hey, hey, look, look, look. Okay, you can say it's right. You can wrong. It's sexist. Whatever. Okay, that if if if. If if anytime, anytime, and I'm talking about look, with I do toy reviews, okay? I'm talking about that. Also, guys, you, we only have six more minutes until the stream cuts off, but go ahead. Yeah, no, anytime anytime you, you have that into an equation, all right. Attractiveness being involved. People like attractive, you know? People like attractive. If you have it, it it happens. It, when you're talking about marketing, it happens. I'm not saying that it's right, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that that's the way it should be. I'm talking about if you look at numbers, if you look at real statistics, I have to look at this shit. That's the only reason I'm saying it is a big factor. It is huge. And I don't think it'll ever stop being a factor. Right. No matter what. But what I'm fundamentally saying is that art is art is art. It is the eye of the beholder. I don't believe that recognition or validation from uh, millions of people or hundreds of people makes what you're doing a thing because we can think of so many rappers who K Reno is a great example he never received that worldwide recognition 
but he would blow most of your favorite rappers favorite rappers out the water that doesn't show his skill level that doesn't show the fact that he's making good music it just it just doesn't it doesn't equate to me but here's the thing here's the thing about that donaldson um k reno does get recognized amongst uh, certain circles though you know what i'm saying because i'm in an underground group but i name drop him but even if he didn't would his art be different just because everybody didn't give him props like would you still like his music the same does my opinion of MF Doom change how you feel about MF Doom's music? Absolutely not. So what are you talking? What are we talking about? But, well, we're talking about a saturation of content, though. K. Reno, who I love a lot um, as an artist and as a human being, uh, K. Reno is who he is as an artist because there's a level of reverence based on the amount of content that he's put out consistently. So art. Being subjective is one argument, which is fine, but that's from a person who hasn't done enough in their catalog now arguing why their one to three works is good. Oh, it's subjective. It's what you make of it. Just do with it what you want. We're not rapping. We're creating a vibe. You made an excuse. Okay. So, so now that you've made an excuse, the amongst the, the excuse mongerers can all validate each other. And the problem is that the machine has found enough of those excuse mongerers to say we could make some money off of them. So now you've put trash into the atmosphere and made people, and you understand the, the idea of hypnotizing through music, the eight count, the four count, the repetition of the, of, of the chorus. In that level, they're gonna memorize. You've made that possible with trash music as opposed to good content. Why? Because it's a quick turnaround. It's a quick turnaround. You don't even need to pay them as much actually. Because you're not paying for production costs because they're doing it in their From basement their or in their garage oh, or in know, a bedroom. You know what sucks? That is actually accessibility to recording equipment has devastated hip-hop. You would have thought that it would have been a good thing. But when you have to piece together a couple of hundred dollars amongst everybody to go into a studio and actually drop something real and to get any type of notoriety, you have to go and do shows and be seen. You're going to work on your craft. That's why so many of these kids <clears throat> suck. They suck. <laughs> days. No, it's just the truth. No, it's true. They got participation they trophies in hip hop. Bro, well, well, they, well compare. Co is, hold on. What ended up happening is they started yeah, getting, making songs that were just catchy enough to get a hip hop, uh, I mean, a TikTok or a Vine or any of those things, but they don't have any actual real content. And we have one more minute left. So I'm going to wrap things up. Anybody have any closing arguments, debates, or things they want to say? Uh, a lot of ugly people are successful. I'm I do mad agree. You didn't bring up Daylight Soul in the storytelling okay, competition. Brad, you could go first. I said, I'm mad you didn't bring up Daylight Soul talking about storytellers. All right, but that's fine. okay. What you got? I agree with the comments saying ugly people can be successful. It's not about hot chicks, it's about who can be marketed the most. That's all. Mm -hmm. All right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's not about looks. It's about marketability. It's just that looks is the easiest thing to market, but there are other things. Like Jay-Z, for example, he is unbelievably charismatic. So that put him over. All right. So in a nutshell, we had a really good conversation today. <laughs> the book that I would suggest for you guys to read is Hello Habits by Fumio Sasaki. I am debating about going back over the book Attached, which I thought was really good, but I didn't really touch on today. 
are the six pillars of self-esteem. We have eight seconds left. It was really a pleasure talking to all you guys. This is the Comparison is the Thief of Joy podcast, and I'll holler at you guys, not next week, but the following one.